Hi, I'm Bethan. And I'm Libby. We love true crime, but we are not qualified to talk about it. Oh, so like every other white woman out there? So anyways, murder. piece of massive cake. Look, has it been a rough day? No. No! <laughs> Nothing that bad has happened. Nothing There's been some minor inconveniences such as that has led me to eating a spoonful of this shop. Closed. The allotment closed. Italian place closed. closed. Quite a tragic day, honestly, um, in the life of a middle-class white girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want my crackers. That is true. <laughs> anyway. Well, anyway, so today's case... Do you have any idea of what it is, Libby? No. I know it's Australian. Yep. But it's not the dingo ate my baby. The dingo ate my baby. I know, I was going to not do my impression of that. It's <laughs> not good. It's British impression. Yeah. Um, it's not that one. It is the Catherine Knight case. Again, that meant nothing to me before I read it. Um, and I'm going to say before we start, a, like a true warning that it is quite gruesome later on. Um, and there are themes of abuse, like, and domestic abuse throughout. So if that's not something you want to listen to, or you feel like you can't deal with that, that is fine. We'll have more episodes out, and we'll see you then. Yeah. Cool. So, on to this case. Uh, Catherine Knight was born on the 24th of October to Barbara and Ken Knight in the town of Tenterfield, which is in Sydney, Australia. Mm. Uh, she had an older twin sister and two other siblings, and she also had... An older twin sister? As in, like, she was the younger of twins. Oh, okay. <laughs> It is. One of them has to be born first. True. <laughs> True. We're both correct, technically. Yeah. Um, she also had four other half-siblings. Wow, okay. Um, older or younger? Older. They were born before she okay. was born, and they came to live with them when their father died. Okay. But, yeah. Um, so all in all, had about... She had... Six siblings? Seven siblings. Seven? Wow. God. Yeah. Um, her father, Ken, was an alcoholic, and he frequently beat and raped his wife. What a piece of shit. Basically, we're, we're going in hard and fast. Like, it's just like we're going straight into the horrible bits because there's not much nice about her life. Oh no. In turn, her mum, Barbara, told her children like way too many details of her sex life with Ken. So they knew about the abuse and the rape. Oh my this god. Like, Why would you tell your kids yeah. that though? But she frequently told them um, how much she hated men and how much she hated sex, which normalised women finding sex not nice. Do you know mm. what I mean? To all the children. And they grew up... I mean, I can relate to the hating man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. But um, they learned that violence and intimidation were a way to get what you want, particularly in oh, sex. No. Um, and they also okay. learned that women should be subservient and just take it. In fact, later when Catherine told her mother that one of her partners wanted sex and she didn't, her mum said to her that she should put up with it and stop complaining. <gasps> so not great no. at all. But also... That's- if her mother is openly is like openly being like, oh, I hate men. Like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, you'd expect. But I so guess weird. Catherine herself was also frequently sexually abused by family members until she was eleven years old. Mm. Not her father, she says, but other family members. So again, not the whole great. family is just it's just awful. awful. And we, it's kind of like we said with Charles Manson, like something was going to happen. Mm. You know, um, she didn't feel too close to many people naturally apart from her twin sister 
and her uncle Oscar. Unfortunately, Oscar committed suicide in 1969. Um, How old was she then? 14? 14. And she was devastated by this. And she still maintains to this day that she sometimes sees his ghost. So, spooky Mm. or just mentally ill? We'll never know. I think I know which one it is. Yeah. (laughs) Is this this the haunting of Hill House? What? Um, She was known as a bully at school. Um, She bullied smaller children than her. And she attacked a boy with a weapon. with that, with that upbringing, what do yes. you expect? Yeah, and she attacked a, uh, another boy with a weapon. She was also attacked by a teacher, although this teacher did it in self-defence. A teacher hit Catherine because Catherine was attacking her oh, okay. teacher. But when she wasn't in these rages, she was a model student, which is so oh. strange that she is essentially almost like she's just unable to control her feelings mm. and emotions. Uh, no one's taught her to. Uh, at 16, she got her dream job at an abattoir. As wow, did. every 16-year-old girl's dream, dream job. <laughs> she was like, oh, I just want to, I just want to chop up some As cows. a vegetarian, can't relate. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, no. But um, she was a good worker and quickly promoted and given her own set of butcher's knives. A lovely mm. present. But to be fair, she's a good worker. Yeah. Nice, good one. Um, in true indie girl fashion, she did a bit of decorating uh, and she uh, hung them over her bed. Horrifying. Wow. She just like hung loads of knives over her bed. And That's she, one way of decorating. Yeah, she did this everywhere she lived throughout her life. Yeah, she would just like hang up some knives above her bed. Mm. She said it was just in case someone broke in. Oh, that's fair enough. Which I like vibey, but like why are you hanging it above your bed? What if they fall on you? Just under put it in a drawer, under yeah. your pillow. Under your bed, yeah. bedside table. So, we're now skipping to 1973. Her first marriage. So she is 23? She is... Hold on, 1955. She is... No, she's 18. She's 18. She is 18. Wow, <laughs> I was a bit off of 23. You're like, 23? I just didn't have any numbers in my brain. Head empty, no thoughts. Um, uh, in 1973, she got married to her first husband, David Kellett. He, like her father, was an alcoholic. Oh. However, it was because he had witnessed many tragedies in his life. His friend was killed in a hunting accident, like, in front of him. Oh, my God. And he also witnessed a train crash. Like, a a train crashed into a school bus and killed six children, and he was one of the men who helped remove the bodies. Oh, my God. So, he's... He's honestly having quite an easy life, and I don't know what he's complaining about. I'm obviously <laughs> joking, he's had a horrible, traumatic time of it, and I'm not surprised that he's turned to alcohol. No. <laughs> um, he's, been, he's been in the wrong place at the wrong time twice. Twice, yes. I mean, at the start, they were weirdly a power couple. If David mm. ever got into like physical fights, Catherine would be literally like right behind him, backing him up with her fists. So at the start, I'm like, iconic. I love wow. to see it. Yeah, things, things got worse, though. I am assuming. On their wedding night... Uh, Catherine tried to strangle her new spouse, and not in a sexy way. Um, she said that he, w- she was angry that he had only had sex three times with her before falling asleep. How selfish! How only three times. Three times. How rude! Like her father, she became increasingly violent towards David. One night he was out at a darts competition, and he got to the finals like a boss, wow. and he was late home because of this because he got yeah. to the finals. Um, Catherine flew into a rage. And she burned all of his clothes and <gasps> shoes. And when he came home, she hit him across the head with a heavy frying pan. Oh my god! That sounds like really cartoony and fun. No, because that, that is shit is heavy. A, that is just pure abusive. Yes, he fled and collapsed at a neighbor's house before he was treated for a, a badly fractured skull. She then oh talked, aka manipulated him into dropping the charges against him. So, an awful situation for him. Yeah. 
1976, they had their first child together, Melissa Ann, Ann without an E. Yeah. Shortly afterwards, David left Catherine for another woman and moved away oh. to Queensland. Yes, David. Good, good for him. That is king shit right there. Yeah. Because leaving abusive situations is very hard, so good on him. Yeah. He got out of there. I still kind of feel sorry for her because she's had a bad upbringing. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for her when she's doing those yeah. bad things. Oh, yeah. We can feel bad that she's born into a horrible situation, but she is now. But also, there are plenty of other people who are born into yes. horrible situations and aren't yeah. horrible people. So and she it's is... a mixture of... It's a mixture. You won't feel sorry for Helly. She's a piece of shit. Okay. Um, she was taken to a local hospital where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and she spent a few weeks recovering. That is hard, but there are plenty of people who go through that and do not do the things that she does. Okay. You know, her postnatal depression cannot excuse her behaviour. After her release, she took her baby Melissa, who was two months old at this point, and she placed her on a railway track before <gasps> a train was due and then just left her to die. After this, she just casually, I don't know where from, stole an axe and just walked around town threatening to kill people. She was just like, she's like, just left my baby to die and I'm walking around oh with an axe. Yeah, casual Saturday afternoon things. Um, a guy, aka the hero of this story, who is known as Old Ted, he was Aww. foraging in the forest near the railway and he found Melissa and he rescued her Aww. just minutes before the train came. <gasps> God, so good old old Ted. We need an old Ted in our life. He's foraging fairies and saving babies. Wow. <laughs> Get you a man who can do better. This is now an old Ted love podcast. <laughs> <laughs> who is he? No one knows who he is. Old he's Ted's just, fan base. I could not find anything about him online apart from that he's just called old Ted and likes foraging. And saved a baby. <laughs> Wow, someone find old Ted. Old Ted. If you're listening, old Ted, we love you. He's probably dead. No. Uh, maybe not. Don't remind me of that. A few days later, she slashed a woman's face and forced this woman to drive her to Queensland where David had moved yeah. to. The woman managed to escape, luckily, but by the time the police got to Catherine, she was holding a young boy hostage oh at a like a service station. Mm-hmm. Um, the police, they used um, a very sophisticated and official move. Uh, basically, they get trained in this. It's like really special. Um, they hit her with a broom. Um, with a broom? <laughs> they were like, first of all, I don't think hitting someone is. With a broom. With a. She also, had a knife. I was holding someone, someone hostage and they yeah, hit her that's with a broom. An interesting hostage tactic that I haven't heard before. <laughs> like, no. And I. Don't know if they decided to continue using this. Who knows? A broom. The queens. Get... The queens of police were like. I thought you got. I thought this. you get someone in to like talk to them and stuff. <laughs> no, no, a broom. Just a broom. Um, luckily, she was uh, then admitted to Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. Right, as she where should. she should have been for quite yes. a while. And now. this is what I I've been saying to Libby that this case makes me sad because it was preventable. Yes, she was treated for postnatal depression. She was put into this psychiatric hospital. There were clear markers where people could see that things were wrong. Yes. Also, I think the school should have done something when she was in school. Yeah, she was, she was a tiny child. But also, if that generally wasn't in her personality to do that. Yeah. Whilst there, she told the nurses that she wanted to kill the mechanic at the service station. This mechanic fixed David's car, which allowed him to leave her. She was then going to drive and kill David and David's mother. So, right. What does David's mother have to do with this? Who knows? He was living near his mother. I don't know. Clear indications that something is wrong. Yeah. She needs to then just stay in that hospital, be treated. Yeah. No. When police told David, what do you think he did? What, when, what David? They told David that she wanted to kill him and his mother. 
Did he just stay put? He should have moved. He moved back in with his mother to support Catherine. She was released into the care <gasps> of David and his mother, the two people that she threatened what? to kill. I do not understand that. That I, literally makes no sense. I have no idea where the logic came that, like, oh. Right, the people you want to kill, yeah, go back yeah, to them. go live with them. Go kill them. She doesn't, but... Oh my god. I'm like, what the hell? Right, the weirdest part for me is that everything seemed fine once she was released. She lived with David and her mother and her mother-in-law for mm -hmm. a while. There may have no still baby. Been, there may have still been abuse, but she didn't kill them, no attempts at all. Okay. However, in 1980, they had another daughter, Natasha mm -hmm. Marie, and in 1984, Catherine moved away and got her old job back at the abattoir. So it seems like things she's going doing well. a bit better. She injured her back though and therefore was given disability benefits because she couldn't work and she was moved into like a government funded house sort of thing. Council house. I think it's, sort of, I'm not sure how it works in Australia, but because she couldn't work anymore, she essentially got disability benefits. She had broken up with David, mm -hmm. basically, and she had two other relationships after this. Um, both toxic and abusive. Um, her decorating style also got a bit more intense. Oh. She moved away from like the boho knife chic and just okay. onto like, just weird. There were, she covered her house in animal skulls. Oh, I was, I, you know what? I was thinking skulls. It's gonna be animal skulls. skins, horns, Ooh. rusty animal traps, pitchforks and machetes. Even the ceiling was covered. And again, the hanging knives. Oh my word. What? So she's clearly, clearly quite mentally ill. Yeah. Uh, having some issues. And we all or just has really specific decorating yeah. tastes. Beautiful. I feel like she should steer clear of some relationships and work on herself. Yes. Yeah. This did not happen. Maybe go maybe go to some therapy. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um unfortunately she isn't listening to us because she's not here. This was and last century, so she got married again. Okay. To a man called John Price. John Price was born in April 4th, 1955. He had three children with his previous wife before he had an affair with Catherine Knight. Okay. According to everyone who knew him, he was a terrific bloke. Mm, apart from the fact that he cheated on his wife. His yeah. first wife. Yeah. Not so terrific. Everyone liked him and got on with him really easily, so he seems like a, a nice guy. And he did know of Catherine's violence when he moved in with her, but he really loved her and her children. Uh, his children liked her too. Yeah, so it seems to be going all right. But we all know this is just not yeah. going to last. Yeah. In 1988, Catherine and John began, uh, began fighting over John's refusal to marry her. To fight back at this, she videotaped items that he had stolen from his work in the mines. He had actually only stolen out-of-date medical kits that couldn't be used by his work, and he had taken them from the rubbish tip. So not that bad. So he hadn't really stolen anything. Yeah, he had taken some things that they couldn't use from a place that they clearly chucked out. Um, but she took this to his boss and his boss unfortunately had no choice but to fire him because it is technically stealing over this allegation. Mm. Not sure why, but it was just basically his boss yeah. did But that's, such a, that's a, such a dick move yeah. by her. He had worked there for 17 years. Oh my and God. And she got him fired. The little bitch that she is. I'm sorry, I just really don't like this woman. <laughs> that's awful. I know, it's horrible. It's. So horrible. News of what he did, uh, of what she did, spread through the town and he kicked her out. However, a few months later, they moved back in together. Most of his friends didn't want to be friends with him whilst he was with her because she was such a piece of shit. And they were like, mm. we don't like her. We'll be friends with you if you leave, like, once you leave her. Yeah. Um, they were looking out for him. Yeah. 
But it is very sad that he's essentially becoming more isolated. Yeah. Which is quite a thing with, like, abusive relationships. Just isolation from anyone who could help them. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, the fighting grew worse and their relationship became even more dangerous. In 2000, Catherine assaulted John several times, eventually stabbing him in the chest. <gasps> God, he kicked her man. out of the house. And the next morning, he took out a restraining order on Catherine in an attempt to keep himself and his children safe. Good move, good move. Yeah, excellent move. We love to see it. That afternoon, he told his co-workers, if I don't come to work the next day, I think he got a new job, it's because Catherine has killed me. And that gives me, like, literal chills. Oh, my word. Given what happened. Like, okay, I think we all know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, like, that is so eerie. Oh, my God. Like, it's like he knew. His friends obviously begged him not to go home, but he was worried that Catherine would kill his children if he didn't. (gasps) So when he went home, he found that Catherine wasn't there, but she had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. Yeah, I'd immediately yes. find out what friend's house. No, no, I think get. I think he did, and they were fine. They were okay. at like a friend's house. Awesome, like, I'd leave. Yeah, but he was like, that's actually safer. Yeah. Um, he then decided to stay at a neighbor's house in the evening until 11pm when he came home and went to sleep. Later on, she came by the house and showered. John and her then had sex before they fell asleep. Mm-hmm. The next day, John did turn up at work, surprise, oh, surprise, God. and a neighbour tried knocking on his door and his bedroom window. His co-workers would be like, guys. Yeah. The, some co-workers came as well because okay. they were like, oh shit. It's true. He wasn't, yeah. he was not fucking about. They noticed that his car was in the drive, but he didn't seem to be answering, which was strange because if he had one somewhere, he would have taken his car. Oh, yeah. Um, then the co-worker. Also, this was 2000. People did have yes, phones. yes. The co-worker and the friend then noticed that there was blood on the front door and immediately called the police. The police arrived at 8am, bust down the door, typical mm-hmm. style. I was about to say FBI, it's not the FBI in Australia. I don't know what they have in Australia. The police arrived, they kicked down the door and they found John and Catherine both laying on the floor. John was dead and Catherine was lying in a comatose state after taking a large number of pills. Ooh. She had stabbed John with one of her weird hanging butcher knives. Which is quite the array to choose from. Um, The police could see from the blood evidence that he had woken up after she stabbed him and he had tried to escape, but Catherine had caught him and dragged him back inside. Oh my god. Where he there died. She's strong. Well, I guess if he's stabbed and he's bleeding out. True. Yeah. Still, still like, even the, even like the dead weight of a man still, you know. So he died from bleeding out in their house. His autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed 37 times, oh with many of the wounds reaching into his internal organs. So like, proper deep stab. stab. Yeah. Uh, well, now, I suppose she's a butcher, she probably has yeah, the... Yeah, but still, still, awful, like so many. Uh, this is the bit where it gets real gruesome. It's okay. real gory. This is a true crime podcast. It's quite shocking, might be quite upsetting to some people. Don't worry if you don't want to listen to it. Libby, I'm sorry you can't leave. Okay. <laughs> I signed up for this. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, so back to the fun. Several hours after she stabbed him, she skinned his body <gasps> and hung him up in the doorway to the lounge. What? On a meat hook. She then cut off his head. Then she set about chefing it up in the kitchen. She made a meal, which quite frankly sounds all right. Baked potato, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash and gravy. She set it out at the dinner table and made two name cards of his two children who lived with them. Because he had three children, but two of them lived with them. Okay. What was she expecting to do? The kids rock up. We're like, oh, nice. Have some tea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where's 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 their dad? dad? Oh, you live there. Well, that's a good question. Where is their dad? 
He's in the meal. He's in the no! meal. No! I thought it was vegetarian. No. She added a special ingredient in that meal. John Price, her husband. She had cooked oh my parts of his body and planned to feed them to his children. Oh my word. That is, that is pure like, sadism yes. right there. Yeah. They also found a third like meal chucked out in the garden, which they thought was hers that she tried eating but couldn't. Oh, okay. We don't know whether she did end up eating parts of John Price. Aww. His head was found by the police in a pot with some vegetables. The heat of the pot suggested that she had been cooking in the early hours of the morning. So just, This already was pretty early, yes. so she... She was just... It hadn't been long. She was just sitting about, just cooking his head on the stove. She had arranged the body, draping his left arm over a bottle of fizzy drink and with the legs crossed. So it's almost like he's sitting. Oh my god. But with no head. Thought they he's found also, his body next to hers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was, oh, okay. I think she looked at him up and then she tried to overdose. Right, okay. Um, she had left a handwritten note on a photograph on top of his body. I don't know what the photograph was, but the note had numerous misspellings in, which is not surprising because she left school at like 15. Yeah. So. Also, she had a bad upbringing, I don't think. Yeah, uh, you know, her education life, yeah. may not have been the most important thing to her family. Exactly. Absolutely fine, but it's just like. So uh, the note says Time you got back, Jonathan, so John, for rapping, which is like raping. My daughter, you two Beck for Ross, for Little John. Now play with Little John's dick, John Price. Beck and Little John are John Price's children that live with them. Okay. The accusations of John raping her daughter and uh, molesting his own son uh, have no evidence to back okay. him up. Like, no grounding whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So quite strange uh, whether she thought that that had happened. But there is no evidence to say that anything of that sort ever happened mm-hmm. or he ever had those intentions towards people. Have the kids then said anything? Mm-mm. No, no, I think that's what they're saying. There's no evidence and the children have said, like, this did not happen to us. Oh, okay. God, um, Catherine was arrested and charged with the murder of her husband, John Price. She originally offered to plead guilty to manslaughter, but this was rejected. Manslaughter? It was not manslaughter. Manslaughter? She put it let me just, in let the me, pot. Let me just accidentally skin my husband. Let me just accidentally cook him with a... Chop his head off, quite hang frankly, him up on a meat hook. Quite frankly, a meal that sounds great apart from the fact that it's got him in it. Yeah, oh my god. It's obsessing That's no man. That's right. no man. It's obsessing me how the meal sounds quite nice, and then I remember that it's got her husband in. Yeah. I'm not talking about cannibalism, I'm talking about the fact it's got pumpkin in it. Yeah. Pumpkin and potato. Gravy. Cabbage. Husband. No. No. <laughs> in 2001, she pled not guilty for the murder of John. She later changed her plea to guilty. Good. Yeah. As she should. Psychiatrists assessed her to make sure she understood what was happening and her guilty plea. The defence team planned to defend her by saying she had amnesia and dissociation. Psychiatrists supported that she did have amnesia mm-hmm. about the case, but declared that she was not legally insane. Despite pleading guilty, Catherine still refused to admit that she was guilty or take any responsibility. So it's essentially her team have asked her to plead guilty for this, but she refuses to take any responsibility for the fact that she did this. Well, I'm like, Hans, I'm, there's no... Who else could it have been? Your husband literally told his co-workers, if I don't turn up to work tomorrow, I'm going to be dead. My wife has killed me. And you did not show up to to work the next morning because you were in fact dead. And also, she sent the children away. Exactly. It's premeditated. She sent them away. 
Exactly. So that she would be able to like, mm-hmm. do this to her. During the trial, her lawyers asked if she could be excused from hearing some of the facts, but this was refused, which is good. She is a disgusting lady. Yeah. She doesn't deserve any special treatment. I'm sorry, she can't hear the facts of something that she did. Yeah. In November, Justice O'Keefe pointed out her lack of remorse and urged the jury to find a severe penalty for her crimes. She was sentenced to life in prison, and he ordered that her papers were marked with never to be released. This Good. is the first time in Australian history that this has happened to a woman. Wow. Woo, women's history. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Women can be monsters too. Yes. Quality. Yes. <laughs> in 2006, she appealed her life sentence, claiming it was Where too severe. Only five years yes. after she'd been in prison. Yeah. She was like, it's too severe for my crime. What? What the hell? You skipped it out. I'd like to know what crime isn't too severe for a life sentence. Where does she draw the line? I'm just like, you chopped a man's head off and you skinned him. Your husband is well, not any of you, or your, your husband, husband. Then prepared him in a in meal. In a meal and went to serve that meal to, to his, his children. children. This woman. She's like, she's me. like, I just don't think. I just don't think it's that bad. <sighs> just really not that bad. Not I'm bad. like, oh no. <sighs> Um, this was rejected, of course, yeah. and Justice McClellan, I think, wrote in his statement. I just want to do an Australian accent, but it's not going to be good. No, I won't you can, do it. You can try it if you but want. But this was an appalling crime. That's not even that bad. <laughs> Almost beyond contemplation in a civilised society. That's yeah. what it's pretty good. <laughs> at least in my ears, it's pretty it's, good. People are going to come up and be like, that's actually Kiwi accent. I'm sorry. Actually, I did, you know, I did think you sounded a bit like Jason Arden. Yeah. yeah. But basically, he was just saying it was appalling and she should never be that She remains in prison to this day and she will until the day she dies. And good. That's the story of the life and crimes of Catherine Knight. Wow. I hadn't heard of that before. I know. Well, now you know. Yeah. Tri- uh, again. Her upbringing wasn't great, but there are I think, plenty of people who have that upbringing who don't see Perhaps a mix. It was again the wrong person with the wrong upbringing. Yeah, yeah, and also like it was a mix of circumstances, that, and also the fact that she chose to do this. Mm-hmm. You can't get around the exactly. fact that. But do you think that had she grown up in a normal household, things wouldn't have been? Mm, maybe it's just difficult because it's like. I don't know. I feel like especially because it's a woman, mm. it's odd that you hear such such violent crimes. I don't know. I think there was something wrong with her personally. Oh, 100%. 100%. It, I think it was always going to be bad, but this, do you see what I mean when it could have been prevented? Yeah. There were several times. Yeah. The restraining order, had that been in, properly in, enforced. Postpartum depression. Postpartum depression. When she went to the psychiatric hospital and said she was going to kill yeah. her first husband. And they were like, okay, see you later. Yeah, exactly. There were so, so many red flags. Oh, dear. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, PSA to everyone out there, don't cook your husband and feed him to to his his children. children. Don't Uh, do that. Yeah. And that's our little note for today. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.